While my family was worshiping last night, God revealed something prophetically to me. But before I share that, I would like to share what he revealed during worship the previous two times that our family had gone to worship. I have felt the need to, after each worship session, write down what every single person had seen or experienced. As we discuss it as a family, I have written it down on February 5th. I'm not going to share everything that Mark saw or experienced. I'm just going to share the one relevant thing to this particular prophecy. Mark had seen, he calls it a spiritual vortex. I call it a portal. I honestly don't know what it is. It's it's just this thing in the spirit realm outside our house. Those are the closest human words that we have to describe it. So Mark called it a spiritual vortex and he said it was spinning slowly but it was going to start to pick up speed again. While Mark was seeing that in the spirit, what I saw in the spirit was again what he called a vortex. I call a portal but I could see a very thin line of incense rising from the portal and I had the sense that it was going to get stronger to where steam or incense blowed up to heaven from our home. The next day, February the 6th, we went to go worship again and I could see incense from our worship rising stronger than the previous day and there were colors mixing together. I couldn't identify the colors, there were just colors mixing together in the incense. It wasn't the grayish white plume from the previous day. As I watched, I could sense the angels around our house singing with us, magnify the Lord with me, come exalt his name together. Then next to the incense appeared someone. I could only see the bottom part of a white robe, no feet, but it wasn't a regular angel. My mind was racing. The spirit of God in me was almost shouting that this was someone important and I wanted to run outside and shout, who are you? But then came the whisper, the spirit of God, the commander of the angelic host. And my brain raced frantically to try to figure out who it was. Was it an important angel, an archangel? No, whispered the spirit of God as he reminded me of who the command of the angelic host is. And when he reminded me that the command of the angelic host is Jesus, my brain, my mind, my flesh balked completely just wanted to shut that down and it began to call me crazy. The Spirit of God began to remind me that this is what happened to Joshua and while we had been worshiping none of us had our shoes on and the spirit that I was seeing, the someone that I was seeing was receiving our worship. Angels don't receive worship. So as much as my brain wanted to convince me that it was an archangel, the Spirit of God said, no, this was Jesus. And I knew that whatever was going on was important, but I didn't know what it was. While I was seeing these things in the Spirit, Mark sensed angels surrounding us. The Spirit of God told him to look around and he sensed the angels surrounding us with a particular focus around our front door. And I was seeing Jesus outside the front door in the front yard. I wrote down what I saw that night and I put it away. I didn't know what it meant. My mind did not want to accept what it meant or process it, but I knew that Jesus had shown up to protect me. That whatever was going on, not because I'm important, but because what he is doing and what he is saying is important. And I found great comfort in that. I found great comfort in knowing that Jesus had shown up to protect me that Jesus was going to fight. Whatever battle was going to happen, whatever force tried, that would try to come and attack me and steal the message and steal my ability to deliver the message, I knew Jesus was going to protect me and fight 
for me, for his sake, for the sake of his bride, for the sake of his church, not for my sake. It's got nothing to do with me. I'm just a vessel. On, on February 7th, God told me to rest. I didn't know why he told me to rest, but he just told me to rest. So I rested. And he had me put together a playlist of songs for worship about holy ground that we didn't worship that night. I rested. I slept. I've never slept so deeply since 2019, 2020, where I was sitting at the feet of God, just being taught by his spirit for hours and hours at a time. And then he would allow me to rest. It was that kind of rest. When we went to go worship on the 8th of February, almost as soon as the chorus to We Are Standing on Holy Ground ended and the next song began, I could feel the brokenness come in. And when I say brokenness, I don't mean a bad brokenness, but the brokenness, the good brokenness that comes from being in the presence of God, the brokenness that comes from realizing you are so un worthy to even touch his feet. The brokenness that comes from being in the presence of something that is so holy and righteous and beyond anything that you could imagine. That's the brokenness that entered the room. And I don't know about everybody else, but when I am in the presence of Christ, I cry. And I'm not a crier in real life, but the presence of God breaks me. It brings great brokenness to my life because out of the brokenness comes the anointing. As we worshiped on Tuesday, I could see Jesus standing at the door of our house, not outside, in our house. I could feel him deep in my soul. So deep it was like my body was vibrating from the inside out. Deep, deep in the very marrow of my bones. It was more than my body could bear. It was absolutely, I could not control what felt like my body shaking uncontrollably. I couldn't control the shaking in my body. I don't think I was shaking on the outside, but it felt like I couldn't stop shaking. Inside of myself, I was crying out, let my children see you, God. Let them experience you. But instead, Jesus walked over to me and he stretched his hand out over me. And when he did, I just wept. I don't know why. I just did. I knew that he was empowering me for whatever he would have me do next. It was a fresh anointing. Something stronger. More of him. And for some strange reason, I knew that if Jesus was there and he was protecting me, as much as I didn't want for him to show up, I knew Satan was going to show up in some form. And I did not want to see him. I wanted to deny that knowing that I knew that somehow he was going to show up. I was going to see Satan. I knew it, but I didn't want to acknowledge it. After a while, I felt Jesus move away from me and I felt bereft. I didn't want him to go. And in the spirit, I felt myself reach out to grab the hem of his garment to make him stay. But he was still there. He was walking around the den around the room amongst my husband and children. I sensed that I needed to reach out and hold my husband's hand and draw him in. We kept worshiping. Jesus just received all of our worship. I told the children to worship and raise their hands because Jesus was right there in front of them. And then I went back into the spirit, worshiping, feeling Jesus. It was so, so strong. I had to hold my head in my hands at one point because it felt like it would explode because of all the images of Christ running through my mind. Images that man had made that didn't match up, did not match up to what I was seeing. I was not seeing the face of Christ. I never ever saw anything above his shoulders. Jesus said he is beyond comprehension, beyond what I can imagine. And he is. He really, really is. I do not have words to describe him. I just don't. The little bit of himself that he revealed was almost too much for my mind to take. I thought I was going crazy. And my mind was telling me that I was crazy. And I was conjuring up things. And I was making things up. My mind was shouting at me while my spirit was telling me that this was Jesus. My spirit watched separate from my mind and it wasn't all. At one point while I was in the spirit, Jesus held out his hand for me to take and I walked with him. In the spirit, not in the physical, in the spirit. I don't know where we walked. I was just holding his hand as he led me around. 
I have no concept of where we were in the spirit at that point. It was just Jesus holding my hand and leading me. I couldn't see a path or a place, just him and my hand in his. When we were finished worship, Mark shared a vision that he had, but he didn't want to share the second part of what he saw until he heard what I had seen and experienced because he thought he was going crazy. He said that when I pulled him over to me and held his hand, he was able to worship. And I'm not gonna share the first part of what he saw because I don't think it's relevant. But then he said he saw Jesus and he fell on his face because Jesus was standing in front of him and all he wanted to do was kiss his feet and worship him. Two separate people cannot be going crazy at the same time when they're both seeing Jesus in the same place. It was confirmation that what my mind was telling me, that I'm crazy. I'm not crazy Jesus was there. I was not the only person who saw him. On February 9th, we went to worship again, and this time I'm going to read what Mark wrote about what he experienced during worship, and then I'm going to share what I saw and what the Spirit of God said regarding what I saw. And in that will be the prophetic word that he wants me to share. Mark wrote that during worship, he appeared in a green open area like an open meadow and he saw a beautiful brown and tan horse. The colors blended like it had patches and it was running full speed in his direction. As it got close, its front legs were cut out and it immediately fell on its head and flipped over violently. And then he was looking somewhere else and he was standing somewhere else and he looked and he saw a white horse standing at a hitching post. The horse looked at him and he looked into its eyes and they were piercing and mighty as if it could see right through him. The horse gave a snort and it had absolute power and authority as if this is the horse of Christ the one who carries the king of the universe. Two horses, one who was not pure and had to try and show off how powerful he thought he was, and one who simply stood there who truly held the power, needed to do nothing because it radiated from his eyes and nostrils, his very breath. Mark said when he was writing that down, the spirit brought to his mind that the first horse was roaming the earth freely, barreling towards his direction as if to cause fear, but its legs were cut off. The second horse was simply standing at the hitching post, bound by and to Christ. It needed to do nothing because he belonged to Christ and he had the true power and authority that comes from belonging to Christ. Now I'm going to share what I wrote regarding what I experienced in worship on February 9th. And in it, I'm going to read the prophetic word that God had me write down. In it is some teaching as well. As we were in worship tonight, I found myself almost immediately at Jesus' feet. I was able to stay for a little while, but then I was somewhere else. I don't know where, but I saw this being of golden light. When I have seen Jesus before, I never see a head. I couldn't see a face on this being. I could see a head, and I don't ever get to see Jesus' head when I see him. And I was at a distance to this being, not a great distance, but a safe distance, close enough to see what was happening. As I watched, I saw this being raise its hands to the heavens and spread them open, and what looked like the glory of God start coming down. This being was receiving worship, but the Spirit of God inside of me kept countering the being of light and what I was seeing him do, reminding me that this is not what he showed me in 2020. I was confused thinking in my logical mind, not my spirit, that I was seeing Jesus open up the heavens and usher in the glory of God. But the Spirit of God was contradicting my mind with what he had shown me in 2020. There are two things I want to note before I continue with this prophecy and what the Spirit of God was showing me. 
The first is when I see Jesus in the spirit, my mind yells insults at me and tries to contradict what I am seeing and what God is saying. This time, my mind was quite willing to assume that the being in front of me was Jesus and take parts of things that God has shown me in the past and try to make it fit what this being was doing, like trying to fit a square peg in a hexagon-shaped hole because a hexagon-shaped hole kind of looks round, kind of looks square, but neither of those shapes are going to fit. But the Spirit of God kept contradicting what my mind was trying to do. The Spirit of God raised up a standard against my natural mind. Also, I experienced no brokenness when I saw this being of light and no tears. I was able to sit up instead of fall on my face and worship. There were no tears. There was no brokenness. Second, idols and created beings can receive worship. That is why it is idolatry. But they absolutely cannot receive God's glory. Created beings cannot receive glory because glory only belongs to the creator. Created beings cannot do or be minus their creator. Therefore, they cannot receive glory. Since all things visible and invisible were created by God for him, he does not share his glory because none can go to a created being. We can try, but glory always belongs to the creator, without whom the created thing cannot and does not exist. While still in the spirit, I was brought back into Garden, and the same thought that Satan has used in the past to try to cripple me and make me bow down to him entered my mind. You're going to die. Your children are not going to have a mother. And of course, it then points to my youngest child and torments me with thoughts of how young she is and is going to have to grow up without a mom. When those thoughts came in on Wednesday night during worship, I recognized the lack of peace of God, not my mind, but the spirit of God inside of me recognized the lack of peace. That's what he pointed to. There's no peace. And he reminded me that the voice tormenting me was not his voice. And then I got angry. I got very, very, very angry. I was absolutely furious because how could this happen? How dare Satan try to torment me while I'm worshiping and Jesus is supposed to be protecting me. And I'm going to stop here and I'm going to add a few more thoughts before I continue. One of the things I questioned and was confused about was how could Satan attack me or access me if Jesus himself was protecting me? The assumption on my part was he somehow got to me or saw me. But Satan's not omnipresent or omniscient, all-knowing. And I was not in our house or around him when I saw him. I wasn't around our house. I had been taken off somewhere in the spirit. Two, I knew that as I was teaching my kids about worship and how to worship prior to us beginning to worship that night, I had felt that old fear and anxiety that Satan had tried to use against me in the past to get me to bow to him begin to rear its head. But instead of taking the thought captive to the obedience of Christ, I ignored it and put it out of my mind, thinking I was being ridiculous. Three, Satan does not need to physically access me to bring those old battles and fears up. In 1 Corinthians 15 verse 31, Paul said he died daily. The spirit of man has to be put down or crucified in each of us daily. Otherwise, it will do Satan's work for him. Our natural fleshly selves will attack what the Spirit of God is saying or doing in us if we are not cognizant of it and how it mimics Satan and does his deeds. It is a son of disobedience. For the Adamic nature, which is the Spirit of man that we are born with and have to crucify daily, is opposed to the Spirit of God. It will try to attack the Spirit of God in us. It will try to take us back to our natural sinful state of disobedience to God and obedience to Satan. It will try to raise the knowledge of man above the knowledge of God. We discussed that in our podcast a month ago, and I will put the link in the description. Five, that old fearful seed of dying before my children are raised was watered just over a week ago by a known, loved, familiar 
human sauce. It just needed a little view of Satan, a little time in his vicinity to make it grow and overwhelm me until once more the Spirit of God raised up a standard against it. 6. The more I learn about God, the more I realize that my natural self is a thorn in my side and it is not to be trusted. I have learned the difference between my nature and God's nature. I know when it's him doing something and I also know when it's my old crucified nature trying to resurrect itself. When God does something, it is contrary to my natural self, and I find the Spirit of God reminding me that it is not I who lives, but Christ in me. He has separated me from myself enough times for me to know which is me and which is him. 7. I have learned to test myself to see if I'm in the faith and to test the spirits, even my own versus God's. I'm not an expert at it, but I know how to ask myself if what I am seeing or feeling falls under love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. I have learned to test the spirit behind what I am seeing and feeling. I have learned to put my own motives under a microscope and examine them via the spirit of God while being open to his, not man's, correction. And I don't say that arrogantly. As we continued to worship, I was disturbed by what I knew to be Satan trying to destroy me. And I was confused by the being of light. All the while, the Spirit of God kept reminding me of the tsunami of God that would reveal all of Satan's deceptions upon the earth, and that as we worshipped him, his presence on earth would increase, widening the gap between the realms, so that the presence of God on earth would become a mirror image of what is happening in heaven. Earth will reflect the glory of God. Once this is done, we will see repentance like never before. Satan's deceptions will be revealed. Darkness will have to flee. There will be a revival like never before. Signs, wonders, miracles. God's signs, wonders, and miracles are different to what Satan does. There is no conjuring, manipulation, deception, witchcraft, divination, or any of those things in what God does. There is no monetary benefit for God's slaves to obedience. Don't take that out of context. But there isn't a love of money in God's slaves to obedience. There's a humility, not a flashiness or a showmanship. What is normal where the Spirit of God resides will become normal on earth. And I will put a link to the full prophecy about the tsunami of God in the description. I somehow managed to get back into worship, into the spirit realm. And as I did, I felt the Spirit of God inside me call all the nations of the earth to worship him. He was sending out a call in the spirit for those born of him to worship him to seek his presence for the healing of the nations. He was very specific of that. Seek his presence for the healing of the nations through worship. When we were done worshiping and we were sharing what we'd seen and experienced, I kept pondering the being of light. The Spirit of God reminded me that Satan masquerades as an angel of light and that his lies can even look 100% true. Why would I say 100% true? Because when Satan tried to get Jesus to bow to him, he didn't change the word of God. What he said was 100% true. Luke 4. Now Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell the stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. And he led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain in its glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whomever I want. Therefore, if you worship before me, it shall all be yours. 
Jesus replied to him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And he brought him into Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you. And on their hands they will lift you up so that you do not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been stated, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And so when the devil had finished every temptation, he left him until an opportune time. See, Satan cannot change the word of God. God and his word are one. Satan did not change the word of God. The deception there, the lie there, is the spirit behind what is being said. Satan is taunting Jesus to manifest a supernatural deed. Throw yourself off the pinnacle of the temple because the angels will catch you. Isn't that what God said? They will lift you up. Throw yourself off. Bow to me. It's in the word. He's using the word of God. But Jesus recognized the voice of Satan. He recognized the twisting of scripture. Why? Luke 4 verse 1. Now Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness. Discernment comes from the Spirit of God. It does not come from our flesh. Satan is a master theologian. He knows the Bible better than any of us. He knows God better than any of us because he has seen God. He has experienced him. He was the highest angel. Satan masquerades as an angel of light. His lies can contain 100% truth, but that truth is devoid of the nature and spirit of God. Satan cannot counterfeit the nature and character of God. Satan will never, ever bring love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, or self-control where he manifests himself. He can counterfeit the fruit of the Spirit by deceiving you. He can mess with your perception, making you think that you're seeing the fruit of the Spirit. But it's an illusion to mess with your mind, to make you think you're seeing God when you're not. He's a master deceiver. He is able to mimic God. He is an almost perfect counterfeit of God. I saw Satan last night, and he really, really is a counterfeit Christ. He is really beautiful. He can absolutely 100% masquerade as an angel of light because he looks like a being of light. He absolutely 100% does seek God's glory, even though it is impossible for him to receive it. Satan is receiving worship from those he has deceived into thinking he is God because they have not let the Holy Spirit be their teacher. They have not studied to show themselves approved of God. They have replaced the knowledge of God with the knowledge of man and have denied the Spirit of God. Isaiah 14, verse 12 to 14. These are Satan's goals. How you have fallen from heaven, you star of the morning, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth, you who defeated the nations. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. The stars of God are the angels of the churches. And I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. This is what the spirit of God wants his people to know. Satan is bringing a counterfeit revival full of fake conversions, signs, wonders, and miracles. Do not chase the supernatural signs and wonders. Do not chase miracles. You will run straight into Satan and his minions. The deception is that great. Not every confession of Jesus is the right Jesus. Matthew 24, verse 23 to 28. Then if anyone says to you, Behold, here is the Christ, or he is over here, do not believe him. 
For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will provide great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Behold, I have told you in advance. So if they say to you, Behold, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. Or behold, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe them. For just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Jesus warned that there would be many false Christs. Jesus is a common name. Many people before the birth of Christ named their children Jesus. Satan will use the common name to create a counterfeit Christ. Those are fake conversions. And I have seen this evident fake repentance invoking the name of the wrong Jesus. And what is wrong with that? The spirit behind it is not repentant. Because repentance is a process. It's a lifelong process. It's not a one-time thing so you can get what you want. It's a lifelong process that God walks us through via his spirit. People will seek power, calling it the power of God. They will not seek brokenness. God's power is manifest through broken and contrite spirits, complete humility and submission. There is no seeking of self-recognition or self-glory. There is no seeking of money or power. Please hear what I am saying. You need to test the spirits. The real Jesus might have a common earthly name, but the spirit behind that name makes it the name above all names. That at the name of that Jesus, every knee does bow and every tongue does confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The real Jesus is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He does not have to make anybody bow to him. It happens naturally because of his presence, his presence that overwhelms our bodies and that brings us to our knees. He does not have to perform signs, wonders, or miracles to prove himself. They just happen because he is God. It is natural and normal to him, but uncommon to us. The line is very fine, so discern carefully. Holiness is the opposite of what is common or normal to man. Look for the things that humanity avoids. Brokenness, a sign that the real Jesus is present. Persecution, complete humility, recognition and acknowledgement of our own complete unworthiness and depravity. Slaves to obedience, even unto death. The last two times we have worshipped, I have seen Jesus in each time. My body could not stand in his presence. It felt like I was vibrating from the inside out. The minute he entered the room, I felt it because his presence broke me. The presence of God should break us. It breaks all things that are fleshly and linked to the spirit of Adam. The presence of God is absolutely beyond our comprehension. When God has allowed me to see him, my mind separates from my spirit. I see him with my spirit via his spirit in me, while my mind or my flesh yells insults at me and tells me I'm crazy or my imagination is running wild. When Jesus stood in front of me and held his hand out over me, I thought my mind was going to explode. My mind could not contain who he was, even in that very brief moment. Both my husband and I saw Jesus on Sunday and on Tuesday, despite what our minds told us. We were both hesitant to claim seeing Jesus, not because we didn't recognize him, but because we didn't feel worthy of him. Our minds were trying to counter what we saw and call us crazy. If you want to be able to discern Satan and his deceptions, you must first be well acquainted with the real God. You must know and recognize his spirit, his nature and character. If you do not want to be deceived by one of Satan's false incarnations of Christ, you need to know the real Christ. That is why Jesus showed up to protect me. That is why he held his hand over me. That is why he himself came to protect the message this week. He knew that he was going to show me Satan and the counterfeit revival. 
He knows how great the deception is. And he wants you to know how great it is. Be ready, church. First the counterfeit, then the real thing. Test the spirits. Don't assume everyone who claims the name of Christ belongs to the real Christ. Look for his spirit. Look for his nature and character. Do not speak or do things of your own accord, even if you feel it's the right thing to do. Wait for the Spirit of God to command you to do it. Only say and do what the Spirit of God commands you to do. Test everything that comes as the loved, familiar, desired, supernatural, angelic, and light. Do not trust your flesh. The deception is great. Do not contend with opposing spirits. First, test yourself to see if you are in the faith. Then test the spirits that are trying to access you. The Spirit of God does not oppose himself. He does not contradict himself. He does not create disunity with himself. He does not make us doubt him. He always comes with a deep, immovable peace. Your natural mind, which constantly needs to be crucified and brought into subjection to the mind of Christ, will try to contend with it. But your spirit will recognize the peace of God. The peace of God surpasses human understanding and guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let those who have ears hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church.